<laughs> hey guys, what's up? How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing, doing, doing well. I'm doing good. Good. Good to hear yeah. you're both doing well. I'm a little. I probably sound uh, under the weather, and I am, but I sound worse than I feel. So, don't worry. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm just a little congested. So, just for the listeners. I don't know. Mm. I hate. I hate how I sound anyway. But I hate when I sound when I'm congested. So it's going to be a tough edit listening to this back. But it's all right. It's my cross to bear, guys. It's for you. If it makes you, uh, if it makes you feel any better, we all we all live under the weather. That's kind of where we are. Uh, yes. Oh wow, Frankie doing Frank, dad jokes. That's a bad dad joke. That's, that's solid. <laughs> I mean, that's a good dad joke. That's right? a good one. Yeah. I like that. Welcome to another episode of This Is Not A Letter. Scott here, obviously. Thanks so much for listening. I just wanted to put this at the beginning of the episode, this little message, and just just to say that this episode deals with mental health. There's some real serious discussion, frank discussion that goes on that's very good, but also, uh, you know, we talk about some topics and deal with some stuff that could be very triggering uh, to people, and uh, it's definitely not a light listen. So I just want to make you aware of that before uh, you listen. This is, you know, we're really diving into the topic and talking about what mental health means to each of us and ways that we've dealt with our own mental health and our family's mental health and stuff like that. So just be, you know, just putting this out there, fair warning, not not a light subject, but a really good discussion. And um, if you find yourself uh, more sensitive to stuff like that, maybe this, maybe, you know, you have to be in the right mood to listen to it. Or, you know, if you don't want to listen to it at all, totally understand. But just wanted to put that out there. And... Uh, kind of put that that disclaimer but we had a really great discussion and uh i'll stop talking so we can get into it we generally try to record for 60 minutes so just fair warning to you guys myself and everybody else i don't think we're going to cover the broad spectrum of mental health in in this short amount of time so there might be multiple episodes but actually this kind of was triggered um by a stream i actually did um this weekend uh with tab um my fiance mother of my child. Um, and dad, you're actually involved um, in the walk that we're doing as well for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And then right. we're doing that uh, that 5K. But uh, we actually did a, a charity stream to raise money for um, for the organization on Saturday. And it was kind of amazing. I hadn't We hadn't done a fundraiser on my uh, Twitch stream for this organization before. Tab's been um, working with them for like six years. And I know, dad, you actually, I think, did you do one of the first walks you did with her? Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, six years ago, yeah. I guess she's twenty six. Uh, yeah, I would like remember, but it was a while back. Yep. We. But, yep. But anyway, yeah. So, um, and it was it was amazing because I wasn't sure. I mean, I knew people um, would would definitely find the cause important, but I didn't realize um, during the stream just how many stories and stuff mm. were going to be shared. And it basically, like, we played a few games and stuff, but. A majority, and so our original goal was like three hundred dollars, and we ended up. Um, she ended up raising like fourteen hundred, thirteen hundred, something. It was crazy. Wow. People really came out, and and one thing that was really neat about it was, uh, like I said, it was the stories that people were telling just in chat, like writing little paragraphs and being like, and then in donations, just being like, this is so important to me. Um, you know, organizations like this that help support 
you know, people and other organizations to prevent suicide and uh, assist with mental health are really important. And I mean, from all around the world, too. Like, it wasn't just people in America. It was people in Europe. It was people everywhere. And I kind of got to see a side of my community, which, I mean, we, you know, we talk about serious stuff occasionally, but, you know, mostly I try to keep it pretty lighthearted on my, mm-hmm. on my stream. And um, so it was really interesting to see kind of this um, – outpouring of support for like people in the stream and people that were like just sharing stories and be like, Oh, I didn't even know. Like we were talking about therapy. It just kind of went all over the place. So that kind of, like I said, prompted me. I knew we were going to be talking with each other again soon. You know, let's talk about mental health and kind of what it means to us. So I'm going to, I'm going to kick it off with that. And you know what? I'm going to, let's see here. Let's go with you first, Frankie. I know it's early. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it was coming. I <laughs> saw like, the wheel rolling, and I was like, oh, it's going to land on You me. know what it is? It's on Skype. Your avatar is a lot more catchy. No offense, Dad. It's a nice picture of you and Mom. <laughs> but, Frankie, your avatar always gets me. So um, it's just more colorful. But um, yeah. And this, so, Dad, you can be thinking about this, too, and I'll, I'll go as well. But, Frankie, if you hear, hear the term, um, like, mental health, um, I know it's broad. But what is what is what does that bring to mind for you? I am... Um... I, I think as I obviously as we are all getting older every year, but for me, um, as I push closer to forty, I think there's like uh, a broad spectrum of things that like I I feel like I'm uh, dealing with differently than I used to, and one of them is simply just memory uh, and like recognizing sometimes like that how easy it is to be forgetful or how easy it is to uh to realize you're getting older because of the things you either forget and or remember Mm. and then also kind of trying to balance like when should i be concerned about my mental health like is there a point i think i've had a lot of moments lately if i'm being completely transparent and completely honest where i actually stop and i think is this like this is I'm forgetting something pretty epic right now, and is that a sign that I should take into consideration uh, in a way that um, I never have thought of before? I've never like up until this age, I've never really given my mental health consideration. And then, obviously, I mean, I think um, in different aspects of my family, uh, there mm-hmm. have been issues with mental health. Uh, that's, you know, that go down all the avenues, uh, you know, um, I think there is a point where you have to wonder like, oh, like, is there something in my DNA, something in my family tree that's hereditary, uh, that I should be concerned with? And maybe not, maybe it's not even hereditary. Maybe it's something that like you're just dealing with personally. But, um, I think, uh, so for me, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's twofold. It's, yes, the mental health of, uh, I belong here. My life has purpose and meaning. I'm, I, you know, like what, what we are contributing to each other's, uh, lives on this planet and, and humanity, as well as, uh, am I cognizant completely? Is my brain functioning? Mm. at its best capacity um and i think uh i'm trying I, I, what, what i'm doing right now is debating how personal i want to get so <laughs> fast but i think one thing that i think per, like uh i'll just give a little anecdote i guess of something i i uh saw firsthand uh when i was working with insomniac 
uh, which is for those who don't know, it's a company that produces um, dance music festivals uh, across the globe. Electric uh, Daisy Carnival, etc. Electric, so yeah, many. yeah. Um, I in one of the in the like almost a full year before I left there, I had this moment where um, one of my coworkers asked me if I wanted to sit in on a meeting, and she was trying to get this organization to be part of our shows to have like to basically be set up have their own tent and the organization is called to write love on her arms oh yeah and sure yeah and it's a great organization that's all about preventing suicide and uh dealing with teenagers mental health and um we had a really interesting conversation with them in which they uh had a presence at like alternative rock festivals Mm. and they regularly recognized that there was a relationship between uh, mental health and styles of music. And obviously that's a very broad statement and a very broad spectrum. But in that meeting, they recognized that when they go to these shows, there was an obvious need for a conversation with a lot of people. And so what they do is they would set up a tent that's basically like half informative, half inspirational. So like uh the one they did with us was like it was these blank pieces of paper where you would write like um you know something you were proud of or something you were scared of or i i forget what all the calls to action were mm-hmm. and then they would basically create this like wall collage of like you know that you could just stop by and read them and it was like super inspiring but in that conversation like they had come to our show which like the dance music festival scene is a lot more upbeat and happy than an alternative rock festival right like it's very colorful it's very vibrant everybody's dressed in like rainbows and sparkles and like everyone's having (laughs) there's cuddle puddles yeah it's a whole (laughs) everyone's having dad you know you're big into the rave scene yeah yeah Yeah, you're right right uh and so they their first statement to us was like we don't think your audience needs us Hmm. interesting and I, I, I like I don't think I've ever had like this like the a bigger well, that's an exaggeration but like there was, in that moment there was like this this aha and I was like no I was like they do like at one hundred percent what you what you saw at the show sure there are it is a, a much more welcoming and happy and positive environment but underneath that for a lot of people there is like this is their escape they come to this show. Uh, because they are feeling that welcomeness and that belonging. Absolutely. But when they leave here, yep. there is a tremendous amount of like, I don't fit in in the outside world. And this is the place where I do fit in. Mm-hmm. And like, um, if any, I, I don't know that I accomplished anything else at that job, but knowing that they are now present at every one of those festivals, I feel like I had a little bit of a hand in. And mm, that's cool. um, the last time I went to, one of their shows, not as an employee, like I saw the tent and I went up and I talked to the dude and I was like, it was just an overwhelming sense of like, I know this is just a little step, but if people have access to an organization, have access to a conversation, um, it's a baby step in the right direction, I guess, of, of yeah. allowing people to know that there's a support system out there. Um, and it was interesting just to know that for an organization of an organization of their kind, they they sort of I mean they're small right it's a small organization they they, they don't have it's not like a big corporate thing but like they have moments where they're like I don't know if if we are needed in this mm. spectrum in this right. space right 
And so it's a fascinating conversation to have with people about where the dialogue needs to happen. Like it should be happening everywhere all the time. I, I don't. Think yeah, it's fascinating to me because that organization. I mean, like you said, they're not huge, but they're well known. Like I mean, I know right. um, t- like Tab for sure kind of showed me them, and I know a lot of people that um, uh, have have been helped by by that organization. So it is really interesting for them to, for them to kind of perceive the electronic music scene as a place that's just happy. <laughs> and doesn't need i mean it's kind of crazy actually but it, to, i mean it's i mean about. you look at it you look at all the rock music festivals you've sure. ever been to and you sure. look, or even like a country music festival and then you look at like a, a dance festival and like the it's a wild or even like it is different. the difference is. between like i mean i guess they were at coachella but the difference mm. between like coachella, coachella and stagecoach are like two very different music festivals that take place in the same venue uh, like weeks apart from each other right right uh, but then if you were to add edc to that like that is a mm. it's an inti- wildly visually and emotionally different experience and I, I i it was just a fascinating conversation for me because i recognized that even for people who specialize in trying mm-hmm. to get that message to the right people there can be uh something that's misconstrued about uh, an event or, or a group of people based on like with the thing that they're into that they get people that are coming to dance to music might not need right. uh, dialogue. And right. I, I mean, it's like not, I'm not like, you know, trash talking them at all. No, I think it was, an no. ed- I would think it was an educational conversation for both sides. And I think even, uh, we recognized, obviously I, I like, I didn't, it didn't take long me working there recognizing that like, this is definitely a place where this conversation needs to happen. But also, I think the broader conversation should be, I mean, these conversations need to be happening in much more public places. It, like in, in, I, I feel like even when I was in high school, like there were some, you know, assemblies and some, you know, they would bring people in to talk and you have moments of like, mm-hmm. hey, we're doing our civic duty by having this conversation. Right. But it, wasn't but it didn't like, feel real or like, yeah. like you could really use it or if you did use it that you wouldn't be – like it wouldn't be a certain stigma on it. Like absolutely. I mean I can relate to exactly what you're saying too. And sorry to cut you off but I was just no, no. thinking about how it's so – it's it's interesting, yeah, like um, that – and I think one thing with electronic music festivals, I think if anything, it's cool that they're, act, that they're working um, with Insomniac now. But it's like people are even more open I feel like at an electronic music festival in general and willing to have those kind of conversations then maybe you would see at an alternative show and maybe not I, I i don't know but i feel like in general um just because um uh you know it looks it everyone looks happy and and you know like they're but like you said they're going there to escape i mean literally one of the names of the festivals is escape with uh yeah. and um like you said and, and i could even relate myself for kind of somebody that was when I lived in California, I mean, we went to so many shows, and obviously you worked for Insomniac. It is a means of escape, and then when you come back from a festival like that and you are dealing with a lot of stuff, it is a rough uptick again back into real life after you're, like, yeah. have had all these, like, positive experiences and spent time with your friends and enjoyed a positive. So, I mean, even them being able to help with that kind of letdown is probably really Right, really I think because it, it's, like, it's, like, a, a heightened, like, especially the festivals that were three days. Like, it's, sure. It's a heightened state of like just enjoying every like every moment is just fantastic you have uh, and like I, I think for us like we went with like a group of friends yeah we always had a big like group. it was like mm-hmm. it was incredibly like a healthy bonding experience yeah. where we left feeling 
like a lot closer to each other. There are people that go to those shows alone or yeah. just with their best friend. And, you know, I, I, so many odd moments you see in a show like that where people are fighting and you're like, how do you find the energy in this space to be, to, right. to bring a fight with you, right? To bring yeah. that kind of negative energy. But it's like, it's, it's everywhere. Sure. You know, it's like, it's, it's not a discriminatory aspect of, of humanity that we, yeah. are stuck in our own brains, you know, yep. dealing with our own human experience. I think like a re- related oddly to a place where we ended the last conversation. Yeah. And I think a thing that I think keeps coming up in this podcast is how we are sort of all stuck in our own human experience. Like there's only right. so much about my uh, perception and the way I, my, my experience is going that I can share with you because uh, you can't obviously fully understand 24 hours of my day, sure. right? Um, and I think that's very relative to mental health in that when somebody tells you that they're experiencing something or that they uh, are feeling a certain way, you, the human response uh, hopefully is to try and empathize, right? But you can only empathize to a point in most cases. Right. And that makes it a, a difficult conversation to have sometimes and a difficult thing to understand when a person that you see as being a completely happy or outgoing person um, is struggling with like uh, depression or, uh, you know, suicidal thoughts or any dark mental thing. And I think we see it all the time in celebrities, especially in like comedians, like, yep. y- you know, that the, the people that are seemingly content and have everything going for them are having this internal struggle that is still to this day very difficult to talk about yeah and it's actually really um good that you brought that up to to, to remind me because i actually before we started this i was looking up uh celebrity well i typed in i literally typed in celebrity suicides 2018 because i just feel like i mean not just 2018 but i feel like the last couple of years i feel like there's really not necessarily. I don't know if it, is, if it feels like an uptick just because of social media, but I mean, definitely people notable in the sphere of uh, people that I, you know, like and, and watch. I mean, Avicii was a pretty big one, especially when we're talking about electronic dance music. Um, we had uh, Anthony Bourdain, um, mm. w- you know, uh, commit suicide. Um, I mean, those are just two names that kind of resonate with me. But there, I mean, the page I was looking at was actually, it was crazy. I was like, my goodness, so many of yeah. these people. That we've lost, um, and because, uh, and so again, showing that, like you said, mental health, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't discriminate. Everybody's living the same human experience. And, and then you also have like the second part of that where it's like people who overdose, you sure. will never fully know right. if it was intentional or not. Right. Right. Like, so, right. I mean, some of them I think are, are obvious or leaning more towards like an intentional, but you know, um, yeah. It's a, but also what what you know they're using what are they what demons are they dealing with to be using right. you know like um the, the those drugs and to that level and so even if it's not an overdose that is you know like intentionally trying to take their life you know um they're definitely dealing with their with their demons a certain way so yeah um okay anything else I, and Frank, the, sorry, I think like the uh the use of drugs I, I mean, I mean, obviously, like you can't speak to everybody, but I, I think the beginning of it mm-hmm. is an escape or a game. Sure. like can start as a playful, like 
uh, like a, an extension of the human experience is just is to be like okay i'm kind of bored with what's happening in actuality like mm-hmm. how can i alter that or you know kind of test the boundaries of my brain and like the experience of like the experience right and i think a lot of people end up chasing that and and yeah. Uh, whether it's because they are addicted to that feeling or whether they have clicked something in their brain that, you know, is no longer satisfied with reality, that they need that bump in, I mean, I'm not in any way a, a chemist or a biologist or whatever, but like whatever, like whatever spikes in your brain when you're, when you're on those substances, like you become either addicted to that or chasing that feeling. And it, it does, it, like, it must become an escape where you're like, I don't want anything else. Like, I, that's the place yep. I want to live in. Mm-hmm. I found it really interesting that Frankie's first thought about mental health was, you know, his own kind of aging brain or... Um, maybe losing a step when it comes when it comes to mental health um, and how he, he approached that question because I actually that's something I don't really think about that often. I mean, I'm 31 years old. I'm I wouldn't say I'm an old person, but I'm starting to get to you know middle age, I guess, depending on how long my life is going to be. And you know, it's uh, it is an interesting thing to think about because really mental health does encompass so many different facets, and I really liked all the different facets that he touched on aging, losing a step, all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, the story that he told about working with To Write Love on Her Arms uh, when he was with Insomniac was was really interesting. And I, I love the idea that they kind of went to a music festival and were like, wow, these people seem so happy. Like, what, what do they... They won't really need us here. And, you know, just even organizations that's, you know, that it's their job. And I'm not, you know, cramping on anybody. I think it was a really good conversation and back and forth that they had. And clearly they work with Insomniac now. But even organizations whose job is to do this, sometimes, you know, they miss the mark or they don't really fully get it or see the need um, everywhere. And I think it's just such a testament to how important having conversations like this are. So just wanted to jump in and say that I really enjoyed Frankie's take. And coming up next, uh, my dad's going to reveal what mental health means to him when he hears that phrase. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Oh, wait, we're not going on a break because we don't have any sponsors yet. Maybe that'll change one day. You never know. All right, I'm going to stop recording now and let my dad talk. (laughs) This is my problem. I can't stop. Like, I'm editing this and I'm making the podcast long. Okay. You see the point? I'm not leaving this in. But um, yeah. So so mental health. Uh, you know, I was I, I kind of like to do that exercise. I don't know if you were thinking of it this way, Scott. But you know, if you just say the word mental health, like what comes to your mind right. immediately? Yeah, that's what I. So yeah. so I had to kind of keep holding on to that while I was also listening to Frankie because the more I listen to Frankie, I'm tracking with his thoughts. So, um, but for me, I, I, one thing that occurred to me was that um, as I was processing it, is that when I think when I hear the word mental health, I I think of I guess what comes to my mind is mental unhealth (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and and mental illness and um, difficulties with um, with our with our emotional state and our mental. I kind of put a mental and emotional health together Mm -hmm. in my mind, even though I know that there's sort of a little bit of a difference. Um, But um, like uh, somebody might have a a chemical imbalance, you know, mental illness um, that's created by a chemical imbalance in the brain, like depression, clinical depression or or bipolar or any or any number of things that are are clearly uh clinical 
and are need medication, you know, to uh, to deal with and stabilize. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for me, uh, over the years, you know, as I've gotten older, um, I, I've come to understand more about the importance of mental health as not ju- just as equally important as physical health mm-hmm. in terms of you know, maintaining our mental health or my mental health or my emotional health. And again, I kind of put those together and this is not a technical conversation. So I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. None of us, none of us are, are, um, but I have, I do work in the people helping uh, field for many years. And so on a personal basis, mental health has always been something that has been very personal because of my family history, because um, I I think I've shared before, I know I've shared before Mm -hmm. that my, my dad, uh, was, uh, bipolar. And so I grew up with, with that, not really realizing until I was, until after he had died that he was bipolar or, or until last year before he died that he was bipolar. Mm-hmm. Um, although, though my mom knew about that and, um, but it made a lot of sense after he died and that he did, you know, he took his own life when I was 15. So, um, so, and then we have a history of that in our family mm-hmm. that goes back ge- several generations. So, so I guess I grew up with the uh, the stigma of mental illness or mental health issues mm. as being kind of something that you don't talk about. You kind of like whisper about it. You kind of ignore it. You kind of hope. And I also kind of grew up with the feeling of I hope I don't lose my mind. Mm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and not knowing if my if at times as a teenager if I was losing my mind because I, I felt like I was. How much of that was a reaction to my trauma that I was experiencing? And so over the years, I've had a real challenge in this area, um, personally. And, but what I have found is that in my experience, um, there's a lot of, there still is a lot of stigma around struggling with our emotions and our, and our thoughts and the, the limitations that can put on us as people and, both as in my professional life as a pastor and as a chaplain in conversations with many people and in my own family life and my own personal experience, I am just more aware of how many people struggle mm-hmm. with, with whether you want to call it a clinical illness or just struggle with admitting what they're feeling and getting help for it and not being able to like feel a little freedom or, or feeling a lot of shame about saying, look, I'm really struggling with, you know, dark thoughts and things like that. And, and then when I, you know, to say, could you go talk to somebody about that? And just still, I think in our culture, I still think there's a tremendous like stigma about getting help for mental health issues or emotional problems that doesn't exist obviously for other kinds of struggles. And, and I, I can remember, you know, over the years really struggling a lot with uh, my own emotional uh, issues, which, which I have found for my own life, um, Many of my issues were not so much like clinical, like my dad being bipolar, um, even though I had certain sim- similar experiences as him uh, internally. I-, I found a lot of it was just trauma that was stored up that I had never worked through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never, pro- I never processed it, and I was ashamed. Well, I didn't even know what I was dealing with, but I also had a sense of shame to mm. admit that I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And, you know, reading books about it and trying, you know, I'm very intellectual. So you're trying mm-hmm. to figure it out and not really sit down to somebody and say, look, you know, I feel like 
total crap. Right. You just know? talk like, about I, it, like how you like I want to basically die. You know right. what I mean? Right. Like, like I would just like to die. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have a plan yet, but and I. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a, and I think it goes back to what you said, Frankie, about you know. It's it's a human experience. It, it, it's it's I don't care if it's like a country music festival, as you were saying, or it's just if you get a, a group of humans together, <laughs> you know there are people in mm-hmm. that group that are struggling with um, these th- feelings and these these difficulties and and um, and I, I, I used to think like I, I always used to think over the years <clears throat> I wish I wish. Um, I had like a physical problem. I mean, this is going to sound, this is just being very brutally honest and this is this not is what right. here for. Go ahead. This is not a right or wrong thing. So, yeah. but I used to think like, I wish I, like I had a broken leg or I wish, I wish like I was, I was in a wheelchair. Then at least people could look at me and go, well, there is a reason that he didn't mm. achieve all that he should have achieved in his life. Mm. Uh, do you know what mm. I'm saying? Like, like, but I feel like, how do I explain to somebody that I have these internal chains? I have these, Right. I have these things that hold me back, and I know you look at me and you say, "Well, why can't you accomplish that? Like you have so many talents. Like you're so gifted. You're <laughs> such a good speaker. How come you've never pursued that?" And it's like, how do you explain to them? Well, I, I can't explain to you what holds me back, but there's these things in me that hold me back. Yeah. And and I used to think like if at least if like 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 I had my arm lopped off, somebody could say, "Well, of course he can. He doesn't have an arm." You know what I mean? Or yeah. or like if I lost my voice, they'd say, "Well, he can't speak." I mean, how do you expect him? And I don't know. I'm just being brutally honest about it. So I, I think that, like, I, I, you know, I obviously what I'm not saying is <laughs> I'm not comparing suffering in any way. I'm just saying that I, my personal perspective is obviously I wish my dad had gotten help. Um, I wish he would have, you know, been willing and and whatever able to, I should say, to get help, if, you know, for himself and all these other people. So I'm just like a huge big advocate of. To, of People just getting help, like just destigmatizing it and creating environments where people can mm-hmm. feel free. And I think that's probably what the um, organization you were talking about, Frankie, is trying. I guess what they're trying to do is yeah. is give people freedom to, um, you know, to write out their feelings so that yeah. other people can see, like, you know, like whenever I mention my dad's suicide, and uh, since I've gotten therapy over the years to deal with it, and I can now talk about it. I just can't tell you how many people come up to me and say, Hey, you know, I have, I, I, um, I have that experience in my family and I don't know how to deal with it. Mm. Um, just recently I had a situation where, um, a young man had died like a year, a year ago or so of a friend of ours. And it was like a, it was never really clear what had happened and it wasn't really said at the funeral and, but he was in an accident and I had, posted that I was um, going to be involved in this out of darkness walk that Scott was talking mm-hmm. about that, that mm-hmm. tab is kind of organizing our team. And I got this private message mm-hmm. and, and I don't think this person will be listening to the podcast, but I'm not going to name them, but I got yeah. a private message that's, that was saying that they believe that their, their um, child had actually taken his own life, but had never told anybody else about it. Mm-hmm. And, but they felt the freedom to share it with me. You know what I mean? Because, of the fact that I had, you know, said something. Mm. Um, so I, wow. I guess that's my perspective. It's, yeah. it's, I, I can't talk about it without it being personal. I guess that's that's my point. And I know, so I'm not apologizing for that. But but I hear the I hear the term, and it's a deep. It, it has a lot of personal resonance for me, and yeah. uh, and and for people that I try to you know reach out to.
so my view of mental health has evolved over the years because a lot of what I mean, one experience that I will never forget, which I hope you don't mind me sharing, but I'm going since we're no, getting uh, personal, no, uh, was I remember when we lived uh, before we went to before we moved to South, like when we were in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and we were living at the house on King Street. I guess I'm old. <laughs> I'm doxing myself Pr- from the Prince past. Street. Prince Street. Sorry, not King Street. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, I uh, see. I'm exaggerating mm. again. It wasn't Prince. It was it still was, royalty, though. <laughs> royalty. It was in the royalty exactly. Thing. But I but I made it better. King. I think a king's better than Prince. Yeah. So I was already. It is it no, is. but um, <laughs> uh, but no. I remember. Um, I think it was your birthday. I don't know what how old you were. And we were all still pretty young kids. And I think your um, our grandmother, your mom, uh, had given you. Uh, I think it was like either a photo of your dad or like books. A picture? I think, it was a, I think I know what you're talking about. It was a book that was like one of these books that you fill out. Oh, it was a book of poetry, your life. wasn't it? It was like, you know, you fill yeah. out a book about your life and you like, for your kids, like, so you fill out, and your grandkids, you fill out like, right. like little chapters and then you write out like, so what was it like when you were a child? You know, what kind of animals did you like? Mm-hmm. So it's like a, a, lit, a written history of your life. Mm, okay. That you That's leave behind to your, so your kids have a record of things that, you know, they might never have asked you about, that right. kind of thing. And so I remember like, uh, I remember you taking or like looking at the book and then all of a sudden, like just basically like breaking down. Um, mm. And I, you know, like for, for kids that are super young who have never seen their dad cry, it's pretty, you don't really forget that. And I remember like, <laughs> I think Karen Ryan just started crying right away. And I was just kind of more, more sh- mm. like shocked. I just didn't know what was going on. And my mom was like, okay, like go upstairs for a little bit. And she talked to you. And then it was at that point that, um, I think you guys brought us back downstairs after a few minutes and kind of, you know, you explained as easily as you could just about how, you know, our grandfather passed away or whatever. And I think at the time we were so young, you know, he, we had just like, you didn't, hadn't really told us that he had, had committed suicide, obviously, mm-hmm. cause we were still pretty young kids, but mm-hmm. you basically like after that explained like, um, well, you know, this is, this is, you know, a tough, um, something that your father is dealing with and it's very painful, um, mm-hmm. but this is actually, you know, what happened and we want you guys to know the full story now that you're, you know, and, and I think part of it was like, because you broke down a part that we were a little bit older, but either way, I, I distinctly remember that, like, I, that's a really distinct memory mm-hmm. for me. And I feel like that's at the moment that I started having some kind of, I mean, I was still young, but like thoughts about like what, what is mental health and, and, and mm-hmm. mental sickness and all that kind of stuff. And one thing I have to say is like, I remember, um, at the time, um, feeling like, you know, you really, and hearing you talk about it, even like you said, where it was stuff that you just hadn't really dealt with trauma from your childhood. And, um, I think that was also another thing where like you, you, you start to see your parents as actual people kind of deal. And that was actually Mm -hmm. a big turning point for me too, even though I was young, which it sounds, Mm -hmm. it sounds, I guess, callous, but you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're young, you're just kind of going through life and you're not really thinking about all of anybody but yourself you don't really have the perspective and it kind of gave me that perspective and um you know watching you over the years kind of really deal with the trauma that you experienced and also getting help for yourself mentally um i i definitely come from the camp of kind of like what you were saying i relate to being wishing i had some kind of actual like physical ailment or something that people could that I would be able to point to, to be like, this is why I feel this way, or this is why, um, I, I have, like you said, haven't accomplished everything that I feel like people that I should be able to accomplish. And mm-hmm. one thing, you know, I'm in, um, just talking personally about like, I'm in therapy, 
um, and I have a really good therapist, and just um, being able to talk to somebody who <laughs> knows me really well and then calls me on my own stuff that I don't see. Like, I'm somebody that's very hard on myself, so I will start to... Um, I'll launch it about all the stuff that's been going on, and then I will instantly, after I'm done with it, explain away why I shouldn't be feeling any of these things, that I have no right mm. to be feeling mm. overwhelmed mm. or whatever else. And I don't know. I think you kind of come honestly by that too, Dad. We've, we've talked about mm. it a bit. We're very, my dad and I are very similar, um, Frankie, which I know you guys have met a few times, but the more <laughs> we got to do it, it's it's scary. It's definitely scary. But we... Um, and just and 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 having somebody to be able to show me that and be like, not only are you dealing with all the stressful stuff that is would be stressful to anybody, and you know it is something that is a burden. You are now um, doubling down on yourself by telling your your internal monologue, which is like, you don't have any right to be feeling this way. Your life's great. You know what I mean? Like why right, would you? Right. You know? And that's mm-hmm. the voice that I really. Um, one thing that through therapy and through getting help with. Um, my my i guess my mental state and whatever because i'm like i mean on both sides of the family that i come from i'm you know mom's side too dad like Mm -hmm. depression is and and um suicide is is there too i mean it's in right you know we can talk about like in the dna or whatever else or not but it's kind of hard to argue with when you look at certain family trees and go like no this is something that has affected the family for like the entire time that is recorded history so Mm -hmm. um whether that's just because it's common human experience or whatever else um, so yeah, so mental health has definitely evolved. I think for a long time before kind of that story I was telling, talking about with you, dad, I didn't really, I hadn't really ever thought about it. And then as I got older, I kind of thought it was like something that like, yeah, I don't really, I'm generally a pretty happy person. I don't really struggle with that stuff. And then as I got older, I really kind of came around and realized that no, I, I do struggle with it. And I kind of have the similar symptoms, um, that you kind of talked about where you just kind of push it down or. Um, and I also struggled too because I had a really good upbringing. I don't want it to, to sound like uh, I had a terrible childhood. I didn't. I actually, and that's one thing that kind of I struggle with where when I actually do have things that, um, I struggle to deal with, I always kind of point and I'm like, you had a great childhood. What do you, <laughs> you have no right. You have no right. You know what I mean? And so, um, I don't know if any of, if any of that's relatable, but that's, that's for me. And so now I, I definitely, I'm all on board with everything that you guys said. I think more conversations and just like you said, when you share your story or like when I, we did this stream, just to surprise the amount of people that just came out of the woodwork to be like, this organization's great. Um, I tried to take my own life before or I was going to, and then I talked to somebody and it like, there was just so mm-hmm. many stories like that. And mm-hmm. kind of like you said, dad, with shared experience, it opens up a whole world of uh, conversation. Um, mm-hmm. And people coming mm-hmm. to you with stuff that maybe you never thought you would be having conversations about. So mm-hmm. um, that's uh, so that was so that's but and I also want to kind of shift a little bit because um, I know there's a lot to unpack here. And we've also we've been recording for about <laughs> 40, 45 mm-hmm. minutes. But mm-hmm. I do want to get into the whole societal uh, society and the stigma that you kind of touched on a little bit. And Frankie, you were talking about it a bit as well in high school. But how has society's views on mental health shifted for the positive and how much farther do we have to go? Because I do, I do think there's a conversation there. Well, I think there's something you kind of just touched upon, which was like, obviously, anytime you start comparing your experiences to mm-hmm. someone else's or to like a societal norm, it's never, it's never good. Yeah. Um, and so it's so much easier to look at somebody who has like a worse life than you mm-hmm. and be like, 
oh, I understand why they're in their situation, mm. like their mental state. Why am I like why am I wrestling with demons if I've had a good upbringing? And it makes it very challenging, uh, I think, to even have the conversation with yourself when you when you do that right because yeah, it's almost like not only are you invalidating your own <laughs> what you know you're experiencing but also society has a tendency to be like dude what the hell like you yep you know and we, we I, I think we do that a lot i think that's part of the reason why it happens with celebrities so much is because mm-hmm. we look at them more like you do have everything you have a career and success and notoriety and money like what is why mm-hmm. you know and we don't we pretend that like we don't understand that um, yeah. so I think society is working kind of almost simultaneously in both directions. I think there's mm-hmm. avenues and places where we've come a long way and we're having conversations that we need to have in very public arenas and public spaces, but there's still weird stigma in the way news reports things and the mm-hmm. way gossip happens in the way mm-hmm. when somebody does take their life, there's this almost a need to sort of invalidate or write it off as something rather than having a healthy conversation mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That yeah, kind of reminded me when you were talking about celebrities and I was, I mean, we've lost so many, um, Chester Bennington, lead, Lincoln s- Park. lead singer of Lincoln Park. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, um, I don't even know why, like, it's weird. I'm realizing now it's weird to even continuously, like, bring up celebrities, but I think that for some reason that's a barometer, right? It, because I, I think it is. Yeah. For yeah, society, kind of. It's like, it is, uh, everything we're trying to do as humans is live a happy, healthy, successful life and whatever right. that means to you. And right. when you look at famous people or, or people that are, famous for various reasons or popular for different reasons there's an assumption that they have all of their things together that they're that there's no reason for them right. to be mentally incapacitated or to be depressed but I, like the mo- like the longer i've lived in los angeles and the closer i've gotten to uh people who are, uh, are of different statures Mm -hmm. there is a level of that lifestyle that's very isolating and Mm -hmm. very like you once you pass a certain threshold like you can't just go to the grocery store you Mm -hmm. can't just do normal daily things you almost are forced into like this hermit thing unless you want to create a scene Mm -hmm. wherever you go right and so I don't know. I like, but it, there is something there that it, like, it, it does relate back to that in terms of yeah. how we tackle it as a society. I think, um, I, there's also, I, like, I'm, I've, like, while I was listening to you talk, while I was listening to both of you talk, there was something I'm trying to, like, uh, uh, express, and I don't know exactly how to express it, but I think, like, as I w- was growing up and I knew that I was gay, Mm-hmm. Very early on. And I, there were so many elements of society that were telling me that it's probably just a phase. I can't talk about it. There's, I, I, I like fear that if I address this head on, like, uh, you know, that there, there'll be consequences, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I, like, I wasn't raised in like a strict religious family. I, I was, went through 12 years of Catholic school. I went to church. 
every Sunday for those 12 years, but it wasn't, it was Catholic church, which is like kind of the, the, the least strict of all of them. You know, I mean, they, they were much more strict when my parents were growing up, right? Like mm. they had nuns and rulers and whatever. Um, but, uh, I couldn't tell in those, yeah, this is so hard to talk about and I don't know why. Um, there was a, time a, a specific day that i remember lying on the floor of my bathroom mm-hmm. and holding a pair of scissors to my wrist hmm. and i was so sad and i knew that i wasn't going to do it i think i knew like i knew i wasn't suicidal i knew hmm. i wasn't there hmm. but i didn't know why like what it would take i want like it was like i needed I was like struggling with it so hard and I really don't I've Hmm. never I've I don't know that I've ever talked about this out loud and so it's like a really it's like really difficult because I don't I've never thought of myself in that time as being depressed or Hmm. um but I think obviously what I was struggling with was that I didn't know how to be myself and I didn't know under what circumstances I was going to be allowed to speak my truth or to, you know, grow up and be okay with who I was. And I, mm-hmm. um, I, <laughs> there is a thing that happens in, in, under that circumstance where the demons I was struggling with weren't demons. It was like, I'm existing in a society where I don't, I don't know how to be honest because I will be ridiculed and, and brought to a place of like, you know, like, how do you deal with that? And so Mm -hmm. I think there's two things happening. It's like, you have people who are, who are growing up in circumstances where they aren't allowed to express themselves or be who they are. And that then creates this, like, mental, uh, like, I, I guess it's a depression or it, mm-hmm. it could, I guess, you know, prison, express itself. Maybe. Like, yeah, like a prison. Like yeah. I, yeah. Um, and they, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know where to go with this. I, like, I, I think, like, Obviously, we've come a long way, and I th- and I there are obviously like I look at kids who have the capability of coming out as soon as they are aware of it, and I mm-hmm. feel like you know like super hopeful that that's true for more and more people. But there's also evidence on a regular basis that it's not, and that kids are killing themselves at younger rates and like how soon can depression start how soon can a a human experience the catalyst of a of a suicidal thought there's even people who would suggest that sexuality is a mental disorder right Mm -hmm. that if you're if you're not if you don't fall into the category of straight that like that's a mental thing Mm -hmm. and well (laughs) i you know it's I don't know. I think one of the things that, um, and thanks, Frankie, for sharing. I mean, just, I mean, that was hard to, to listen to, um, what you went through. And, um, I know it's hard to, I'm sure I can't imagine how hard it is to share that. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thanks for being, uh, for sharing that. Um, I, I think that one of the things I was thinking of was that, um, I, 
I think one of the struggles that we still have is because humans, um, as human beings that, you know, I'm reading this book right now called the soul of shame. And, you know, a, a lot, a lot of us carry shame uh, for different reasons and purposes in our lives. And, um, so part of the problem is that it's, it's isolating. And so we turn inward toward ourselves. And I think that's one common thing, you know, whether, for whatever reason it is that we feel like we can't share what we're struggling with. Once we, we, we turn within ourselves and isolate ourselves and feel either we really are isolated or we just feel isolated, then it makes it much more difficult for people to open up about what they're struggling with. So mm. like with suicide, for example, um, one, one of the things you hear um, people say, and not maybe as much as they used to, but I think it's still pretty common, you know, people say, oh, what a selfish person, you know, mm. that person was. And, you know, and they, they and I, people used to say that about my dad, and it'd be like, they thought they were somehow helping me with that. Like, <laughs> like somehow it's like, yeah, he was really, you know, like, like almost like a sympathizing with mm. me. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's not exactly how I look at it. And it's just, and that's, that's that, what that does is it stigmatizes it even more. Right. Yeah. So if a person, like you were saying earlier, you guys were saying like, if, um, if you're struggling with dark thoughts, and you hear this message that anybody that would kill himself or herself for whatever reason is just basically selfish because they don't care about anybody else. Right. Or they don't have a reason to be that way because look at them. I mean, you want to, you know, you want to see suffering, go live in, you know, mm-hmm. Africa. You know what I mean? Right. Like you were saying, Frankie, yeah. about comparing is never helpful. I mean, that's, right. that's both individually. It's just always a way down, downward spiral. And it's like, it's just, so part of it, I think, is like, you know, like one of the rules of thumb with anybody that's having dark thoughts is it's actually the most important thing to do is the opposite of of brushing over it. It's to say, you know, to ask questions to say, well, you know, tell me how you're feeling. I mean, are are you actually can I ask you a question, you know, a personal question? You know, are you thinking of taking your life? I mean, you should ask the person mm-hmm. not. And, and, and it's so hard to do, but it's so much more important to, to let that person express that or. You know, rather than being like, well, you know, I don't think they, you know, I don't want to talk about that. So anyway, I think it, I think a lot of it is just to try to destigmatize the idea of uh, expressing what we're struggling with to somebody else. And um, um, and not all of those situations are the same. I, I realize not everything that people struggle with is, you know, some people some things have more of a sense of uh, a bridge or a, a, I should say a, a wall between sharing. But. I think anything we can do to encourage people to talk about what they're feeling is a good thing. There's obviously so much more going on in the minds and lives of the people that have that yeah, have absolutely. you know yeah uh, that we can't yeah. we obviously can't relate to because it's like right. you can't if you've never pushed that like gotten so close to that thing that you were like okay I'm this I'm getting so close then you can't relate to that and I, I, I yeah I struggle with that response as well like yeah I, I think yeah. I think Frankie, yeah, that, I think that, um, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. I, I think that, um, you know, my fear, like over the years, went because I've had some pretty dark thoughts, especially after my dad died, and you know, I had times when I, I, you know, I didn't really, you know, have a specific plan to kill myself, but I was definitely coming up with different strategies that would. But I was to try to come up with stuff that didn't look like suicide because I didn't want my family to deal with. But I always figured out they'd figure it out that it was a suicide. You know what I mean, like. Like, well, I noticed he didn't break the car, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So mm. really wouldn't want to. But mm. the thing is that 
I guess the fear is that I guess I've come to because I've read some books that help me with all this, like what's going through a person's mind. And we really don't know, as you said. But I think what it is, it's like like as long as we have a little bit of hope, you know, even a little bit of light, we have a little bit of hope to keep going. But I think I think what you were just saying is the way I picture it is it's like there's no light anymore. Like whatever, whatever light was there for that person has been completely snuffed out so that they're at a point where the only op the only best option they can see is is like you said is to actually extinguish their life and that's because because they're in so much pain that's the you know what i mean yeah. and i thankfully i've never been to that point but there's always been that you know kind of fear because of seeing other people do it that it could happen like if i if i got if the darkness closed in so deep that i can't see any light that's how I look at it. You're just at a point where you can't, you know, what, like, like you say, what, what were they thinking? Well, I don't think they were thinking anything at that point. I think they were just thinking like only alternative I see here at this right. point is, is to, like you said, to just end it. I don't know what that means, but I know what this is no longer. Right. Tolerant. I know I won't be have to deal on this plane of existence anymore and what I'm right. doing right. now. Yeah. And it's funny. Like it's, it's, it's interesting that this is a perfect kind of capper here. Cause I, so I think we'll probably be having another episode on this in the yeah. future. Cause there's a lot still to unpack and there's been mm-hmm. a lot shared, but um, just kind of coming back to the whole uh, idea of what people are thinking. I want to share a personal story from somebody that I know and am very good friends with online. Um, uh, somebody that um, I, I have never met in person, but, uh, but I'm friends with and they, uh, they recently shared on, on Twitter um, actually the day, before we did the um, fundraising uh, stream, uh, they had shared that I, had, I hadn't seen them online for a while, and they shared that, hey, I just wanted to be honest and say that I've been really depressed lately, and I, you know, basically tried to take my own life, but I'm, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get help or whatever. And so it was kind of surprising because this is somebody that you know wouldn't normally share stuff like that. And so you know, I just t- tweeted them, and there was kind of an outpouring of support from the mm-hmm. community. And then they kind of shared their story while we were doing um, the stream. They came in and they were like, "Yeah, I just I've been I've been feeling so depressed, and I um, actually ended up when I was about to to do it, I actually ended up just." talking somebody in the community kind of came to me and talked to me they just Mm -hmm. were like talk to me about what you're feeling and i was able to express you know all of the stuff inside of me and you know i felt i instantly felt so much better and and it also kind of gave gave me an insight into you know it depends on on the person but sometimes people take their own lives because like you said dad they're in that moment they're just it's so they're in such a there is an absolute absence of light that right. and it, but and it can be just a single it can just be a, a single decision a poor decision right. in a moment to be like right. this right. is how i feel right now and i'm just going to fix it permanently right. and right. it doesn't even it and that's why sometimes you see when people like we're like well i that doesn't seem like somebody that would ever do something like that i've never like they right. don't have at least like according to me even as a friend a history of like depression like this and this yeah. was somebody that i that i that i knew pretty well and i you know mm-hmm. i don't want to say i wouldn't have expected it because of course, expectations, that's part of the problem, but I, I don't know to be somebody like this. And, um, so yeah, like you said, like there's, there's definitely a lot to unpack there, but also just, and so I want to encourage anybody listening to this because I know this is a pretty, um, sensitive topic, but an important one. Like if you are feeling any of, if you're feeling suicidal, if you're feeling depressed to the point of hurting yourself or taking your own life, um, 
you know, I'm not going to say like just reach out and go get a therapist. Like use use these lifelines that are available to you. You know, call the suicide mm-hmm. hotline. I'll, I'll I'll list a bunch of stuff here at the end of the podcast that you can reach out to. And even if it's even if it's just a matter of wanting like confide in somebody that you know is your that is your friend, or even if you aren't sure if if it feels weird, just reach out. Like people mm-hmm. will surprise you. They really mm-hmm. will, and and yeah. and share and get it off your chest because you will feel you will feel mm-hmm. a lot better. Um, and it doesn't. You know, I think also one thing with mental health is like I feel like we sometimes, at least for me, I was like, oh, I'll get to a plateau where I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to keep up on this. But it's something mm. that is, I feel yeah. like throughout your entire life, right? You're always you're always dealing with. So, um, um, Scott Senior, I mm-hmm. want to thank you as well. I think um, the, I don't know, there's something you said earlier that like really, really like just got to me. Mm. Um, and I think um, the ability to, like, have this conversation as a parent mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. your son and be so open to talking about your experience. And, whew, I'm sorry. This is mm. unexpected. Mm. Um, You're fine, bud. I think that's part of the step is mm-hmm. being open and being able to have the conversation and just mm-hmm. have an open dialogue is something that I think is – that as a society we're – edging towards like so that parents are more capable of having adult conversations that need to be had about Mm. any spectrum of things like but so often i think people grow up in situations where they don't they don't have an open communication with their parents or parents are so afraid to have dialogues about the important aspects of life and Mm. so there's something about this conversation in particular and maybe this podcast as a whole that really resonates with me i like i grew up in a family that like i know my parents love me i i'm i'm uh i had a very good childhood i i am able to talk to my parents to an extent but i think as a my family as a whole doesn't have the capability of being honest and having open conversations to this extent and there's Mm. um something very profound about that ability to even get on this podcast and talk to us mm-hmm. and um i am forever grateful for that so mm-hmm. oh, you're welcome thanks for sharing that yeah yeah no and i agree too and i don't take it for granted like i know that i have and that's that's one of the reasons i wanted to do this podcast in the first place was because i do feel like it is a gift that um my parents and especially my dad like both of them are so open and we're able to have such a dialogue about tough stuff too stuff that's not you know not just the surfacey stuff and um you know, so I'm glad. Uh, and of course, Frankie, you're one of my best friends and somebody that whose opinion and insights I I respect. So I'm glad that we've been able to put this together. And and I hope that this helps somebody listening as as well. Um, you know, um, I know it's not not everybody has people that they can interact with on a deep level like this. So um, you know, I hope that if if you've felt anything that's resonated, you can feel free to reach out to us. Um, again, like I said at the end of the podcast, I'll list list out the various ways that you can. And uh, I don't think this will be the last time that we uh, we discuss this. I'm sure we'll have yeah. an, another part um, for sure. Um, but I really appreciate your guys' insights on this and sharing your stories. I know it's not easy. This isn't. Um, this is definitely tough emotional territory. But I really I really think it's important and. I know. Well, I know. I, I I don't think I know that somebody's going to listen to this and they're going to feel good that they're not alone and that um, there are if they are feeling isolated that there are options. So I, mm-hmm. I know it'll help yeah. somebody. Absolutely. So. All right. 
All right. Well, pass the tissues, and uh, <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll give uh, each other. We're going to give each other a big virtual. Yeah, hug we need to give the, a yeah. virtual hug through the computer yeah, here. Yeah, right. Yeah. I know. I know. All right. Mondays, uh, man. I know, right? And Frankie, I, I mean, we're really good. I mean, you're like you're half awake <laughs> and having to dive into Poor Frank. this stuff, the deep end. Yeah, Frankie's taking the real shot. Frankie. You got- <laughs> You gotta move to the East Coast, man. Yeah, we just gotta get on the same time zone, and then we can. (laughs) This like living three hours behind you thing is really not everything it's cracked (laughs) up to be. Wow, so definitely not light territory on this episode. Some real frank discussion about some tough issues and all the stuff that goes into mental health. But I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation and i just again want to thank frankie and my father so much for doing this podcast with me because every time we get together and we tackle a subject i feel like i learn new things whether it's about either of them or even just insights into myself and i hope that you were able to get something out of this episode as well whether it's just not feeling as alone about your own mental issues um maybe getting up the courage to talk to somebody about uh, your own mental struggles, uh, because really just having a dialogue uh, and being able to share the burden with other people is, I can't stress enough how helpful that is, because uh, you are not alone. And I want to real quick give the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-8255. If you're feeling like you don't have any immediate family or even friends that you feel comfortable reaching out to, but you are suicidal, please call that number, 1-800-273-8255, because there are people, there are operators on there 24-7 who are there to help you be able to get that burden off of your chest to share your story to realize that you're not alone and you know even if you aren't feeling suicidal even if you're just struggling with depression or um you know feelings of anxiety and all the other things that go into making us tick as humans and and the mental health aspect definitely reach out to somebody like i said people will really surprise you and we would love to hear from you as well when it comes to your take on what we talked about in this episode and also i think we're going to do a q a uh for the next one and so it doesn't have you don't have to send us necessarily questions um doesn't have to be only questions can be feedback can be your own experiences i would love to read some of them in the next episode so it could be a a mix of stuff whatever you want to send we're available um at t-i-n-a-l podcast at gmail.com if you want to send something long form that's definitely the best way we're also on twitter at uh, this is not a letter uh, instagram etc um, but would love to hear from some of you guys in regards to just you know how you felt about the episode and hearing your own stories and um, I think the next time we talk about this we will put some of those into the mix and, um, and share those so wow uh, thanks again so much for listening it's just, it's seriously a privilege to be able to do this podcast, and we really uh, appreciate the support, and, you know, I hope in some small way this episode, and even previous episodes, uh, have helped you, kept you company, and kind of, you know, helped you feel in on, on some good conversation. So, that's uh, going to be it for this episode, but we will see you in the next one. Thanks again so much for listening.